Thanks, guys. It's really good. Get your tea off my table, David. Hello. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm feeling like you guys are a little tired. Little, uh, little, there's a kind of a combination of anticipation and excitement for Christmas, but also a little fatigue that we've moved into the season. Yeah, a little bit. All right, we'll see how that goes with the course of the message. Um, I wanted us to start in a good place with true confessions. Not my confession, your all confession. I confess enough in front of you all, I think. But I'm wondering, by show of hands, how many of us would be willing to admit that patience is not a strong suit of ours? Okay, a good 50% of honest people in the church. Yeah, that, that, that patience isn't the, the one that we excel in, or sometimes people are, are really blessed with patience, but it's easy, especially in times like this, Christmas season, to lose that sense of patience, is it not? I mean, I think part of it is because we have we, uh, more things that we need to get done or want to do, whether uh, decorations and hanging up lights, the, the purchasing of, of packages. Um, uh, we have to wait. We have to wait in traffic. We have to wait in retail stores. We have to wait on the phone. We have to wait online sometimes, right? All of these things. And that waiting combined with the more things that we have to do, then begins to add in that virtue or lack thereof of patience and impatience. Now, I would be with you. I am confessing that oftentimes that is not my... I think of Oral Allen, the dear saint that has gone to be with Jesus. She used to tell me almost monthly, patience is not her virtue, that she's, after a hundred plus years, she was still working on it. (laughs) Pretty good, huh? What if this Christmas season that we were able to redeem all the waiting time that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks. What if we were able to take this general busyness and hecticness of the Christmas season that usually promotes the opposite of what Christ is doing in our lives, that usually promotes impatience, what if we were able to redeem that time and allow Christ to work the opposite direction and actually come home from a day of shopping and fighting traffic and all those things and rather than being weary and fatigued and tired but being refreshed and renewed? Am I shooting too high of a goal for this this morning? What if... See, I believe that... That, that the Christian life, the kingdom life, in many ways people have described the life that we're trying to live is the upside-down life. 
is that sometimes when you really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and its impact on our lives, it takes our lives and it, it, it turns it upside down. Like, like take suffering, for example. Suffering is, in the world, it's just, it's just all horrible, all terrible. It's something to be avoided at all costs. And yet, in the kingdom of God... Something like suffering can be turned on its head. And it can actually be something that is redemptive, that, that God takes and uses in significant and powerful ways to transform our hearts and souls and, and to reach people with the gospel, that he can take something that the world said is so horrible, turn it on its head and use it for good. Could something like Weight lines and impatience and busyness, could we turn that on its head and see if God could actually use what the enemy wants to use in this season to, to pull us away from God, away from the Christmas season, and use it to draw us closer to Him? I don't know if we can, but I think it's a worthy goal. We should give it a shot, right? So I want to talk about waiting in this season. In fact, I want us to, I want us to look at a, a, a person in the Christmas story that his life was actually defined by waiting. That doesn't sound like a good thing, does it? And yet, his life, he's just a, it's a short story and character. It's found in, in Luke chapter 2. Would you, would you turn with me if you brought your Bibles? There are Bibles located in the seats in front of you. And it's a, a really just a couple of verses that talk about his life and how it's defined. And yet, I believe it's a compelling life. It's a challenging life. It's an instructive life life. I look forward every Christmas to reading and meditating on his life. It's the life of Simeon. In fact, let me give you a little context. Jesus was born at this point in the story, and, and Mary and Joseph are going to the city of David, to Jerusalem. They were, they were still, there was customs from the times of Moses that they would present the firstborn child to the Lord. So that's what they were doing. They're in the, the temple courts and they, they bring Jesus. They travel with Jesus. No room in the inn, right? Um, he's born, but then they bring him to Jerusalem. And that's where they run across this character, Simeon, starting in verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 reads, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the 
parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at, his, at, at what was said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Ashir. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. So there's a really cool picture here. And I think that the life of Simeon and really the prophetess Anna has something to teach us about the way the Father wants us to live the life today, the Christian life today, his kingdom life. I, th I think there's something tremendously admirable and challenging and compelling about a life or lives lived in such a way that it's formed around waiting for what God is doing, waiting for how God is working, waiting for what God is saying. See, we can all relate, I think, to Anna and to Simeon in this way, that, that part of living is waiting, right? But I think it begs the question, what are we waiting for? And what does what we're waiting for tell others about our lives? If you were to have a friend and someone were to ask, and I were to ask that friend, so what's, what's Calvin waiting for? How would they respond? I've, I've played this video clip before um, maybe we'll just do half of it. Like, can we do half of it? I'll give you the signal. But I've played it before. I just like this clip so much. It's funny, and, um, and it gets at the subject 
that we're talking about. It's from uh, the movie The Incredibles. It's a kind of a compilation. So watch uh, this. What are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. Me too, kid. All right, it's resolved at the end of the movie. Something incredible happens. A superhero incredible. And the kid's there, and he's like, that was amazing! Right? It's interesting, just that little story of... The, uh, he is living the, the, the rat race. He's living the life. And, and he's waiting for something. He's waiting for a moment that's, Mr. Incredible is waiting for a moment that's significant and filled with meaning that is used at work. And then so is the little guy too, right? And, and I think that it's easy for us to live the life of Mr. Incredible rather than the life of Simeon and Anna. It's, it's easy to simply wait in the, the things of the world that are focused on our everyday lives and, and, and be lulled into insignificance and meaninglessness. To, to be lulled into boredom and impatience. And part of what I think the Lord is wanting to do is that we would wait for deeper things, more significant things, that we would not simply wait for the day-to-day -day things, but that we would link our lives, that we would be waiting on the things of God. That's what Simeon was doing. That's what Anna was doing. That's where their, their lives were, were formed around. Again, if you, you look at that first verse, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation simply means comfort. He, he was looking at, he was seeing. 
Not just for himself. He wasn't look, just looking to, to resolve his own loneliness or comfort in that season. Though I'm sure that was part of it. But he was looking to the people of God. And he was seeing the distress and the struggle and the difficulty that they were in. And he was caring about that. And that must have driven his prayers and his time before God. He's seeking God. He says, God, I know you see this. I know that you care more about your people than I do. Lord, would you, would you bring your Messiah? Would you bring salvation? Would you work in our day? And somewhere in those prayers, God said, I'm going to answer. Before you die, Simeon, you will see my salvation. You will see my Messiah. How incredible that as Simeon turns his life to the things of God, God gets real personal with Simeon. And he says, I have a role for you to play, Simeon. And Anna, that will be etched in Scripture for generations to come. He was waiting for God's work in this way. The cha- one of the challenges I feel from Simeon's story is, am I waiting on the things of God? Are you waiting on the things of God? Or are you simply waiting on the day-to-day? Not that the bad, the, the day-to-day is bad. That, that, that's the, all of that is fine and good. That's a part of life. We're all going to wait with those things. But are you waiting for God to work in your life, in the lives of your children? Are you waiting for God to work in your church, this community of faith? Are you waiting and pleading and praying, God, would you work in the city of Colorado Springs? There's so much need. The harvest is so much. We need a movement from you. Are we waiting for God's hand to work in this nation? Are we seeking for God to work in this world? As I was thinking and praying about Simeon and and, and the things that I'm trying to do to wait thinking about two ways I wait on God primarily. One is this. I wait for his wisdom, for his voice. I ask, God, what are you saying today in this situation and this circumstance? And the other way I wait is for his activity. How is he working and how am I wanting him to work. First, his wisdom. Proverbs 8 says this. says, uh, this is wisdom in Proverbs. Wisdom is speaking to the people, really, and inviting. And when it says, my, it's, it's essentially the Lord as wisdom I- inviting us. It says, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors. Waiting at my doorway for those who find me find life 
and receive favor from the Lord. A beautiful picture, isn't it? He's saying, sit at my door and listen. Sit at my door and wait. I was thinking for, about my kids. You know, the kids, we've experienced loss quite a bit. And there's times when in concern, in anxiety, I can take that anxiety, right, and I can fret and I can worry or I can lay that before God and say, God, what are you saying in this moment? How are you, how do you want to mold and shape and form my kids in this moment? I wasn't planning on sharing it, but I think it's okay if I share. Yeah, so our youngest had a dream for our two oldest. Uh, many of you know that our, our two oldest lost the, their mom and she had a dream and she said, I think, it's, I think it's from the Lord, but I saw you in this big room and it was a winter storm in the room and you two were talking to someone, I think it was God and that as you prayed, slowly the winter storm went away from that big room. I was like, oh, wow. I, 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 you know, God praying concern and God gives a dream, a picture to help console my two oldest kids. What a beautiful picture. I, I want to wait for God's words and truth in every area of my life. In my life, marriage and family, in, in the church, in the denomination. The elders just got together on Thursday how to invite the congregation into this denominational discussion I don't want to get lost on the details. We'll, we'll talk about that in January. Invite you for those who are interested in the denominational discussion. But really what the elders are seeking to do is what is God saying to us in the midst of that? How powerful would it be if we became a people who were waiting on the revelation of God, waiting on the voice of God? Is there an area of our life that we don't need the wisdom of God? Is there an area in our life that we shouldn't sit in the doorway of wisdom and say, God, help. Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. Teach. How compelling would it be if our lives looked a little bit more like Simeon and Anna and we're waiting for the revelation of God and the activity of God. Listen to Psalm, the Psalmist 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He 
will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. What does it look like to wait God? Would you work in this circumstance? God, your people are desperate. We need a dramatic increase of your presence and power and work in this day. I want to invite you to join me. don't know why in this Christmas season I felt led to to share this picture with you, but it's a, it's a prayer that I've been praying for a while for this congregation. And it has to do with the idea of an embassy. You know, where a, a foreign nation will have an embassy in the United States. I looked it up. Um, you know how many embassies are in the United States? Uh, foreign nations are in the United States? You know, I want to render, render a guess. It's hard to know. I, I would have had no idea. I looked it up. I, I guess 168 nations have embassies in the United States, mostly in, I think they're all in Washington, D.C. So an embassy is an interesting place, right? So you have people of another nation, and that embassy is considered uh, not the United States, but the soil, the ground of another nation, right? So uh, take Germany, for example, right? They have an embassy, and so that's you step into the embassy, and you're in Germany in that moment. I think if you want to tour the world, you could just go from embassy to embassy, right? And the people that are working in that embassy, they're on mission, Yes? The mission is not that of the United States. That's not their job. Their mission is that of Germany, right? They, they're citizens not of the United States. They're citizens of Germany. So the, it's their soil. They're on mission in and surrounded by another nation with a different mission, a different agenda. I've been praying that we would be an embassy that we, this church, would be an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. That this soil would be sacred ground. That we would be on mission, not in the broken world around us, to the broken world around us, but our mission would be from the throne room of God that we would be pr praying, that we would find that, that there's a call and a purpose and a significance in this community of faith, that we would be used in this broken world. That when people would come to this place, they would step on the soil of the kingdom of heaven. That when we would come, we would get the mission of God to be connected with what he's doing in us and through us to this broken world that desperately needs him. I'm asking if you would join me in waiting on the Lord for renewal and revival and restoration. That this would be a place of renewal and revival and restoration.
Would you join me in that? Can we lift the gaze of our souls to God and say, God, what are you doing in this place? How do you want to work in this place? What are you calling us to? It's compelling about Simeon and Anna. If you look at the end of the story of Anna, it says that um, Anna spoke about the child to all who were doing what? Looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was speaking to the people that were lifting their eyes and looking for God's redemption, looking for God's work, his voice and his ministry. And I would say as a church, joining him in that. Now, there's another compelling aspect about Simeon's life that I want to highlight. Actually, two quick ones. One is, do you notice all the mess, uh, language of the Spirit of God in those verses? Look again in the verse, couple of verses. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Yes, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, we get the idea, right? The inspired author of Luke wants to make sure we know what. The Spirit was at work in his life. Right? The Spirit was speaking and revealing. There was fresh revelation that was happening. He was moving on Simeon. He was guiding and directing them, him and then telling him, this is the one. This is where we've been talking about. This, yes, he's the child. Go to him. Talk to his parents. Again, a compelling and beautiful picture of a life that's not only waiting on the things of God, but a life that's intimately connected to the presence and the voice and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to be like Simeon. Two things on, on the work of the Spirit in this way, I think, that, that we, can, we can wait for the Spirit and we can also wait in the Spirit. We can wait for the Spirit and we can also wait in the Spirit. In fact, if you think about it, when Jesus was trying to get his disciples, he was going to ascend and he was like, hey, hey, don't, don't launch out in the church yet. What did they have to do? They had to, anyone know? Before Pentecost, they couldn't go right to it. They couldn't get to ministry. What did they have to do? They had to wait. They had to wait. It says right in Acts 1, 4 and 5, do not leave Jerusalem. Yeah, Jesus, but we want to, no. Wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I was listening to an old school pastor. 
He was uh, preaching, this was about 20 years ago, and he was lamenting 20 years ago that the church has lost one spiritual discipline that was often done corporately. He said, we don't tarry in the Lord anymore. And you might be asking who Terry is, but that's the wrong question. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's an old school word. Terry means simply to wait. It actually also means to, to, to be late, to be tardy, to linger, to pause. You could say to abide in a moment, to soak, to listen. You know, we're, we're baptized in the Spirit once, but we're meant to be filled again and again and again. And I have to think that, that part of of being filled again and again includes the initial command of Jesus to wait, to tarry, to abide, to listen. We've lost that skill, I would say, in the church. I'm going to talk about the skill in just a little bit, but I also want to also share this idea of being not only waiting for the Spirit, but waiting in the Spirit. Um, this is a phrase that uh, comes a lot from John in Revelation. He talks about no one's exactly sure what in the Spirit fully means. But it says, for example, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, the idea that, that John was in this place of prayer, was in this place of worship, was in this place of the presence of God, unlike another place, if he would have just been walking along the seashore, he was in the Spirit. And the Lord spoke to him the book of Revelation. I try to do that. For example, we just worship together, right? Through music. In that times, I try to worship in such a way that I'm in the spirit. Sometimes I'm singing. Sometimes I'm not singing. Sometimes I'm praying. Sometimes I'm just listening, but I'm trying to be in the Spirit. When I pray at home or on contemplation point or or here by myself, there's times I'm trying to be in the Spirit. Sometimes I'm woefully unsuccessful at it. True confessions. Sometimes I enter in and I hear his voice, and I'm moved by him. I discovered something a while back, that I can be in 
the Spirit waiting in line at a retail store. I can be in the Spirit waiting in traffic. I can also be woefully out of the Spirit and in the flesh in traffic. Right? You all know what I'm talking about, right? But there's a, there's a choice. And I realized that even though my life is full and busy, there's moments that I can redeem in the day-to-day. There's moments that I don't have to peripher- focus in on the, 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 why that person is taking so long. And that person, I bet you they're on their phone. I know they're on their I knew it, they're on their phone. I see them as I pass them, right? There, there's that moment, right? Or, I don't know exactly the, the, the best words to communicate, but there's a way that I can say, I can check in with the Lord and say, Lord, how am I doing? I think about uh, little boy Samuel's prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with something. I, there's something that's stuck in my soul, a, a conversation, a, a word, a phrase that was used that, that's bothersome. Could we talk about that? Sometimes I haven't finished the Lord's prayer in outline form, and so I pick up that next line. Sometimes I want to let the Lord decide on the conversation. Do you ever do that in prayer instead of the Christmas list prayer? You say, Lord, what would you like to talk to me about? No, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. Could we talk about something else? Right? Friends, I think if we're going to redeem our waiting time, we first and foremost look at what are we waiting for and we raise up what we're waiting for above just what we're waiting for in life and begin waiting on things of the Lord. And secondly, we wait in the Spirit. We have those moments during the day that we say, Lord, I'm going to tarry in my mind. I'm going to tarry in my heart for you. There's times that it's not, I don't hear him saying anything in particular, but there are times that I feel his consolation or his comfort, his encouragement, blessing I feel his conviction sometimes which leads to confession listen to me now would you try this would you do this over the next couple of weeks would you try it 
You can do it with a spouse driving in the car. You can do it by yourself. When you lay down to, to sleep, you can, you can tarry in the Lord in that moment. Would you look for moments? By the way, I discovered that vacuuming does not cover up the voice of God. I can do it vacuuming, right? Can, can you take those moments? Can you redeem those moments? of waiting or sometimes activity? And can you give them to the Lord? I believe if we were to do that, that God would bless us. In fact, he's promised us that, right? He's promised those who wait will be blessed. A Abraham is a great example of that. We, we've talked about Abraham is that, that, that patriarch where that, that uh, covenant was given by God, but it wasn't just about blessing Abraham. What was it also about the covenant? That Abraham would be a blessing. He would be blessed to be a blessing, that he would be used, that blessing wouldn't just fill his life, but it would flow from him. And we're told, Hebrews 6.15, and so after waiting patiently for his son to be born, Abraham received what was promised him. And then the promise, look at Isaiah 30.18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Do you know that about your Abba Father? Do you know that he longs to be gracious to you. He longs to speak to you. He longs to fill those moments in your life. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Blessed are all who wait for him. Would it be incredible if this Advent season our lives looked a little bit more like Simeon and Anna and Abraham, that, that we turned our gaze, the gaze of our hearts and souls to the Lord, and he redeemed those moments in our lives. I thought we would end the service by tarrying just a little bit. We, uh, Jedediah, if you want to come up and worship team. I'm not sure of the song that you have planned, but whatever it is, could we do it really, really mellow? What do you think, Mike? I think it should be rock and roll. <laughs> Wake us all up. Watch, they probably had this really high-powered song planned. Can you close your eyes with me? Before... Before anyone starts playing an instrument, you know, silence is a rare commodity at Christmas time, isn't it?
And I think sometimes we miss the spiritual because the physical is so loud. Lord, we ask, what are you saying to us personally? And what are you saying to us corporately? encourage you to remain in a posture of listening. And would you just be led if being in the spirit means keeping your eyes closed and your head bowed, then just stay there while we sing this closing song. If being in the spirit in this moment for you is, is singing with the, the worship team, then sing. If it's kneeling down and praying, then kneel down and pray. If it's, for these next couple of moments, can we do our best to, to tarry, to wait. Sometimes he wants to speak to us personally, at a relationship, struggle, calling. Sometimes he wants to speak to us corporately. Just would you be mindful? Whatever he wants to say or do.